back to John, and if you look at verse uh, 38, I'll read that again with your permission. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said, Rabbi, which is to be interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt. And abode with him that day, for it was about the sixth, tenth hour. Let me pray again. Our Lord, there's nothing, no place on earth as lonely for a preacher as in a pulpit where you're not. So please be with me. Lord Jesus said, I can do nothing without you. If he couldn't do anything without you, certainly I can't either. So I need you. I want to be a blessing to these people. I don't know all of them. I know a lot of them. I don't know all their needs. Uh, but I do know that they have needs, and I pray my message would help them today. And Lord, I pray for Vicki. I'm sure that she's prayed for across this world. And we pray for her in our family devotions and in our church. I pray you'd bless her. And the Lord, we pray you'd give her grace and strength and healing. Be with Tim. And Lord, may this church uh, put in practice what he's taught them while he's gone. Now, thank you, and I love you. And I pray in your precious name. Amen. Uh, I, I, I'm going to read verse 38. Uh, the last three words, where dwellest thou? Where dwellest thou? This is about the most exciting portion of scripture in the Bible. This, this scene took place on the riverbank. Jesus is being baptized. He's entering his public ministry. The church is being founded, I think, and the charter members are named Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. This is only one of the few times that Jesus and John minister together. It's one of the few times, if any other time, where God the Father, God the Son were in the, in the meeting. In the midst of all this excitement, two men heard a man preach. Look at verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. In verse 37, two of John's disciples heard John preach, and the result of that was they followed Jesus. They didn't follow John. They didn't follow Jack or Charles or Tim. They followed Jesus. <clears throat> and they said, he said, what do you want? And, he, and they said, where dwellest thou? I think what he's saying is, this is really good. Is there a place we can have some more? Is, this a, is there a place where we can go and learn more than we're learning here? And they were excited. They want to know more. That was kind of the goal of my ministry. I wanted to preach so folks who want to know more about Jesus, more about Jesus, what I know. More of his love to others show. So they said, where dwellest thou? And 
They wanted to know more. And the good news in verse 39 is he wanted them to know more. Come and see. Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and they abode all that day. And it was about the tenth hour. So I want to talk to you about where dwellest thou. I want to tell you that you should want to know more. And I want to tell you he wants you to know more. And I want to say this, and this could be a little shocking to you. The only faith you've got is salvation faith. You ain't going far. I think I'll say that again. The only faith you've got is salvation faith. You're not going for. They had salvation faith because they saw Jesus as the Lamb of God. I got salvation faith in second Sunday of October 1958. My wife and I lived in Akron, Ohio. My friend George joined the military in the, in the, in the Air Force. I went into the workforce in, in America. He got saved. He got saved because some man died right in front of him in a mess hall. And he wasn't, my friend wasn't a Christian. And he saw a man pray over his food in the mess hall the day before. <clears throat> he went to that man and said, uh, you must be a Christian. I saw you pray over the food. And I'm not. I need to be. Could you show me how to be saved? That food prayer has gone a long ways. My friend wrote my wife and I and told us about his salvation and asked us to go to church and we got we went to church just to get saved. I didn't get saved and preach. I didn't get saved to print Bibles. I didn't get saved to do anything except miss help. When I got into it, I found it's pretty good. I think I'd like a little more of this. And so we started teaching Sunday school. Little seven-year-old girls. I, I preached at them like they were fallen doves of the underworld. They, their feet couldn't even hit the floor. I talk, I, I, I talk about stuff. They just sit there and stare at the wall like a, a goose in a snowstorm. Anyway. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say there's a lot more to it. I don't mean it's wrong than the Lamb of God. There's a lot more to it than him just being your Savior, though obviously that's pretty good. And that's a lot. And that's a life changer and an eternity changer, isn't it? But you know, there's more to it than that. There's other things after we get saved that God does for us. Would you go to Romans chapter 5 just a moment? I want to show you this. Romans chapter 5. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 1 verse 1 therefore being justified by faith now what Paul is saying there not only are you saved now because you're justified by faith but there's other things verse 3 and not only so but we glory in tribulation uh, verse uh, look down at verse 9 much more then. Look at verse 11. Not only, not only so, 
Look at verse 15, much more. Look at verse 17, much more. Look at verse 20, much more. There's much more to it than salvation. It's all connected to salvation, but we need to have faith to go on. It says in the, I, I just quote this verse because you know it. It says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, let us go on. Let us go on. The question is, how do you go on? The answer is, know him better. Say that again, Brother King. How do you go on? Know him better. They said, we like this, but we want to go on. Where do you dwell? We want to go and learn more about you. I think maybe they're indicating we can't know all about you if we just have public services. May I say, if all you know about God and Christ and the work of God is this church service, you're not going far. You need this, obviously. Do you have a, do you have a time when you find a place to know Him better? Where you can be more transparent with Him? We sing songs here we don't even mean. In the prayer closet, you can be real. You can tell Him because He already knows. You're not going to shock Him. He's already loving you. He'll take care of it. The point is that we need to go on. And if we're going to go on, they, they kind of said, we want to go on. We think we need some personal time with you. Where do you live? Here's what they found out. They found out they wanted to know more, and he wanted them to know more. You can't know a person if they don't, if they don't want you to. Uh, you know, my opinion is we don't know many people, but most people hide what they are. But you can get with Jesus, and, uh, and, and it's okay. Uh, can I give you this verse? Would you go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 16? 2 Corinthians 5, 16, that's just back uh, a little place in your Bible. Uh, here's a verse that I never did understand for a long time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 16. What do you think this means? 5, 16, 2 Corinthians. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, they, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. How do you, what does that mean? I read it for a long time and never could figure out what it meant, and finally gave up trying to figure it out. And then I, and then I, uh, I, I, I love the book of Hebrews. I've read the book of Hebrews more than the book of the Bible. Uh, and I, I read an author, and he said this. What, Christ is, what Paul is saying here is, uh, we used to know Christ's earthly ministry. When, when he said, he said uh, though we know Christ, have known Christ after the flesh, meaning after the earth, his earthly ministry. But now, henceforth, know we know, what, know we him no more, only with his earthly ministry. Because he also has a heavenly ministry. He, he's not only our Savior, and thank God for that. <clears throat> he's also our friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's also our high priest. He has a heavenly ministry. This author I'm reading says, what he wants you to do is involve your, his heavenly ministry into your earthly walk. What's he doing up there? interceding for us. He came here and spent 33 years so he'd understand this. He's point, tempted in all points like as we are, 
yet without sin. So he understands when you hurt. I think he was raised in a single parent home in his latter years. Sons from this morning was great, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, I think Joseph died somewhere place along the road. Uh, he wasn't at the, he wasn't at the cross. He wasn't at the wedding. He's not mentioned after. I think it's when uh, uh, Jesus was twelve. So he knows what it's like to live in a single parent home. He understands that. He knows what it's like to live poor. I had a staff member one time, and I was having preached for me. His name was, uh, uh, well, I forget his name. Anyway, he's, in, he, he's an old guy, and he's in heaven now. I hope we don't have, hope not live streaming up there. <laughs> anyway, Russ, Russ Dean. And he's a great guy, and he's my friend. And he was kind of my sidekick. And we go soul when he go to sleep. And finally I said to Russ, you can't do that. I mean, I'm trying beg these people to go to heaven and you're, you don't even care. I said, when we go in the house, the next house we're going to, I want you to ask her to drink water and I dare you to go to sleep. You'll spill it on your lap. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I'm saying that. What, I'm, what, I'm, what I want to tell you is he has, his, his earthly ministry wants to be involved in my earthly, his heavenly ministry wants to be involved in my earthly walk. So they said, we'd like to know more. And he said, I want you to know more. Let's work, let's work on it. Come, come and see me. And so they went to his house, whoever that, that was. They just went uh, for uh, tea and crumpets and ended up staying. They, they, they went to abide. They went to see, and it says here in John chapter 1, they abode. They stayed longer than the they planned to stay, and they stayed as long as he allowed them to stay. What's the application, Brother King? The application is, do you know him better than just a Savior? So he said, come and see. So I thought, where today can I go and see him? And there's lots of places, of course. Uh, and so I thought, well, he, would you want to look at uh, Psalms 22.2? I'll show you one place he could take us. Psalms 22.2, that's in the Old Testament. Psalms 22. Well, I'll read verse 1 with you, too. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? You've never said that, but you felt it. I have. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, I'm not, not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabiteth the praises of Israel. You know where he, one place he inhabits is praise. Praise. He inhabits praise. Where dwellest thou? I, I dwell among those that praise me. I like that, don't you? You know what praising, praising does? It gets his attention. Whatever you're involved in today that's painful and hurtful and, and, and as David was in chapter 22, why don't you uh, maybe quit griping, maybe quit complaining, maybe even quit asking for deliverance and praise him. It's not worse. You could be in hell. Praise him 
that you're not going through what somebody else is going through. I could find somebody going through things worse than I'm going through. I could praise him because I'm saved, and so therefore what I'm going through is temporary. I'm telling you, praise gets his attention. He may not deliver you, but he'll fellowship with you. That may be better. All things work together for good to them that love God. I don't, so I'm going to praise you by faith, Lord. I don't know when we, I didn't know when we were in Bible college and a, a day from my graduation from Bible college, we bought us a new car, a new uh, powder blue Chevrolet. It's really, really pretty. Had 86 miles on a woman hit his head on. And I wasn't hurt as bad as my wife. I sat in the hospital room and said, why? Why? Now I praise him for it. I would, never, I would not be in this place right now if that drunk woman hadn't hit us head on. I would not be in Milford, Ohio. So I praise him. Sometimes by faith. I'm just telling you, why don't you try getting his attention? He's heard all your complaints. He's heard all, all that. I'm not, I'm not meaning that. I'm just saying, praise him, praise him, Jesus, my blessed Redeemer. Remember, I've got to save time here. I asked Brother Miller how long to preach. He said, well, Brother Tim usually gets us out by noon, but not often. <laughs> Remember in John chapter 6, there's 5,000 people on the hillside. I, I, I saw that. Not counting the kids and the women. And Jesus is having a problem. He's got more people than fish. And, and the men reminded him of it. They said that we can't feed him with 2,000 pennies worth. Andrew said, I got little here, but not much. But you know what he did? He praised God, and it was enough. They gave it to him, and he prayed and praised God. And it became enough. Another time he had a problem, he had a dead friend on his hand. Been dead four days. Behind a stone in a tomb. His sisters, Mary and Martha, reminded him, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. He said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. And they showed him where he was laid. And the Bible said he wept. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. You know, I got a kind of a funny sense of humor, and you know I do. And I got a big mind, and, and I draw stuff on it. I wonder what Lazarus was thinking while Mary was trying to get him out of the tomb. Mary, Mary don't do that, or I have to go through it again. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that that's what it what happened but, anyway. but he had a dead friend on his hand and he stood outside the tomb and said father I thank thee and praise thee that thou always hearest me but I prayed this for their sake so Jesus prayed during hard times and got God's attention I hope you're listening Vicky. praise him because you're going through less than you deserve. I never did. 
I know what I deserve. I know the hearts I broke and the bad things I did before I was saved. I deserved hell. I'm getting a mansion. Mine's at the end of the cul-de-sac. I praise him because he's in control. He'll not put on me more than I can bear. I haven't been through much. But whatever I've gone through, he's seen me through it. You can handle it. Either by deliverance or by increased fellowship with him. You can praise him because it's very likely this too will pass. Most things you go through didn't kill you. Abraham Lincoln had carved over the door of the office in the Washington, wherever it was then, during the Civil War. This too will pass. You can hold on another day. He may come. What are you trying to say, Brother Keen? Well, I think what I'm trying to say is maybe you can't change the situation, but you can change your attitude. You ever call somebody sick and they give you a blessing by, by their attitude? Come and see where I dwell. I dwell in your closet. You know, when I first saved, I took everything literal. I thought he meant get in the closet. He said, the father sees in the closet. If you want to have, if you want to know him better, get in your closet. You have a closet? Do you have a place that you go where when they can't find you at your house. Your kids know where you are. You have a place your wife doesn't disturb if the door is closed. You have a closet. I hope you do. Can I tell you someplace else you can have great fellowship with him? in obedience and that, that's not too exciting is it would you, would you let me show you a verse that really helped me would you find John 14.22 one time John 14.22 I want to show you that look at John 14.22 Jesus saith unto him not Iscariot this is not Judas Iscariot the betrayer this is another Judas Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us? Lord, what's an avenue of which you can show yourself better to us? Verse 23, if Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you've done a new obedience? When's the last time you've made a decision that was life-changing or life-directing or shocking to your friends? Most of us 
Now, not, all right, not my age, because most of you aren't, but most of us are old enough that we've kind of done all the exciting things. And we're not making any new decisions. Jesus said that I'll manifest myself to you if you love me and keep my commandments. You know, the bad thing about disobedience isn't what God loses, it's what you lose. You lose the avenue of revelation to God. Uh, this is kind of off the subject, but I gotta get this in before I quit. I wonder how well you're supposed to know God. And this will shock you. I, 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 I always thought we, we could all know him the same. I don't think so. I think we know him in proportion to what he calls us to do if we do it. I, I don't think the woman, at the, uh, the, the, the widow with the mites, knew as much about Jesus as Paul or Peter or John or James on the Mount, on the Mount Transfiguration. They, so we don't all know him the same. We know him as much as we need to know him to do his will. Now, he may give us more, but he won't give us less. And if you, uh, I, I think what helps adjust us, what he does, what, it, what we uh, do, how we know him, is by how we obey him. I think I'll say that again. I think it's determined how well we know him by how obedient we are to him. You know, did you ever read there in Luke chapter 5? Peter came to Jesus, uh, uh, John came to, uh, Jesus came to Peter and said, uh, follow me. And what did he do? Followed him. He, was away. he obeyed him. Now, you know, you ever wish the Bible said more about some things than it says? I do. Because I think, I think, I wonder how she received that when he got home. Mrs. Peter, I mean, how would you receive that woman if your husband showed up one day and no longer carrying a pole? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a preacher. But you know, the Lord said, follow me. And he followed. And you know what he did before he followed? He fell down and worshiped. Because Jesus filled the boat with fish and it was going to sink. And what he said was, I've never seen you on this fashion before. I'd like to get there, wouldn't you? I'd like to get where I hadn't been yet in, in relationship to him, in a revelation of him. I'd like to do that. You know, those guys that brought the jugs of water to Jesus changed the wine. The Bible said nobody knew what those were but the servants knew. Because the servants were the, were the ones told to go and therefore they got a, an additional revelation. And I think I'll say this and I'll quit. Where dwellest thou? Come and see. He dwells in church going. You expect me to say that, wouldn't you? He said, I will sing in the congregation of the righteous. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I look in our church and look down and see an empty pew. And I think, I wonder who, who should be sitting there singing praises to God. Sit, standing next to Jesus singing praises. If you want to see where I am coming, 
see that I sit in the congregation, stand in the congregation of the righteous. How well do you know him? How well could you know him? Does anybody know him as well as he could be known? I'll answer the, first, the, the last question first. Nobody could know him as much as he could be known. How do you know Brother Keene? Because I read about Moses. Moses divided Moses, the greatest miracle worker in history. He divided the Red Sea, fed a, a million people for 40 years. That's, that's over 3 billion meals. Motor rock. He did, uh, greatest miracle worker. And one day I was about walking by his tent, and I heard him in there weeping, and he said, show me thyself. What he was saying was, with all that you let me do for you, I want to know you better. David, greatest king probably on earth ever. He had all the regalia and all the armies and all, all that. And he said in Psalms, my heart panteth after thee, the way the young heart panteth after the water brook. What he's saying was, I'm glad for all this, but I'm going to know you better. So what are you trying to say, Brother King? I, I'm just trying to say, do you want to know him better? Would you believe the promises that he told you where he would be at a certain time and you'd go? Do you know him well enough to miss him when you sin and he, he stands in the, in, in, the, in the shadows? You ever, you ever do something and all at once you've lost his presence? You can't find him. Do you know him that well? Do you know him well enough to want him to return? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Pray ye, thy kingdom come. When's the last time you prayed and thought about his coming? Do you know him well enough? To want him to return? Where can I go? To the scriptures. Search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me. It's to your advantage knowing better because you've got more for you than you've got so far. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I know that sermon's kind of like lad that had loaves and fishes it's not much but if you'd breathe on it it'd be enough would you breathe on it Lord would you make it real Lord you have more for us than we, we, we're able to handle help us to handle more Lord there's probably somebody here today not saved They'll start their journey the same place I started mine, a different town, but the same place, Calvary. May they come today to be saved. And then, Lord, help folks here. I pray you've spoken. You gave me assurance this morning in my prayer time that you would speak to them in my preaching time. So, God, do it. May they not be afraid of obedience. Whatever it is, giving up your boat. Abraham gave up his son. Christ gave up his life. Obedience can be expensive, 
And it's never on sale. But it's well rewarded. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.